When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. Advantage of those spots when you uh, when you come up and you know bases loaded and and you know the, the the few opportunities that we had we just didn't do it we we really only had to do a little bit because our pitchers did a good job again you know they went out there and threw the ball very well um joe was good you know he gives up some singles in the first inning and the run score and um not a ton you're going to do about some of that uh and that was the end of it you know really he shut the door after that and the guys came in out of the bullpen and, and gave us a shot um but, you know, when you don't score, you're not going to win, obviously. Mackie and Judd here. Minnesota Sports with Mackie and Judd. You're home for daily Minnesota sports entertainment, speculation, and therapy. And by popular demand, these Monday episodes will include a state of the twins breakdown. We're going to dive into it. will be kind of like our Purple Daily State of the Vikings offense. I'm going to give you guys a handful of categories, and we're going to do a deep dive I'll usually bring, you know, my background as a, as a baseball writer includes a lot of uh, nerdy statistics. And so I'll try to Eek. root it in data, Eek. but I might also pull like, for instance, Judd got into a fight Loser. with a bunch of twins fans on Twitter this weekend. So that will be one of the categories. God, did I get jumped? <laughs> oh my God. Well, what did you expect? Yeah. You're bringing up small sample sizes early in the yeah. season. Yeah. Guy. Oh, okay. Small, small sample sizes. It is, it's, it is a small, we'll get into it. Well, it's the second category. So gear up. I didn't want to start with it because I feel like it's too negative. I feel like it does. I feel like the Carlos Correa stuff doesn't accurately represent the biggest headline of the season for the Twins. So it will no. be the second category in my in my four categories for you. I have a okay. feeling I know what number one is, and it okay. should be. Okay, we'll see. Uh, and the state of the Twins here is presented by our friends, our new friends at Modest. That's right. Just steps away from Target Field. They have a tap room in the North Loop, cans available in liquor stores throughout the metro. In fact, they have a 19-ounce, we're calling the 19-ounce cans or stovepipes right. of some <laughs> modest mainstays. The Dream Yard, oh, yeah. a stovepipe. Let's get it. I want to see Judd Stone Cold Steve Austin, uh, a stovepipe, and then, uh, and then uh, crush it against his head. I like the term. The, the Crooked Forest Smoked Lager, by the way, in the tap room, legitimately one of the best, most unique beers I've ever had. It steps away from Target Field and steps away from old Dex tweets as well. That's right. There's a, a scooter right away. There's a great selection of modest. I've been going there for a long time, and uh, I love going there before a Twins game, too. It's always hopping over there. So if you want a nice little vibe, too, as you're uh, pre-gaming and as you're getting ready to go watch some baseball at Target Field, I highly recommend checking out our friends at Modest. And they got a great selection of different brews. So whether you want an ale or like an IPA or a stout, Plenty of great options at Modest. 
They're one of the best around. Go check them out. Legitimately one of the coolest, most unique craft breweries in the Twin Cities. They opened in 2016, and they have been uh, exploding and on the rise ever since. Just steps away from Target Field and the Light Rail. Modest Brewing. All right, boys. It's time for the State of the Twins here. Category number one, pitching dominance. Mm -hmm. Is that what you thought the category was going to be? 100%. Yeah. You knew that the homer was going to go positive here? (laughs) No, it's been great. No, it dovetails in perfectly with Category 2. But, yes, they've been fantastic. They've been absolutely fantastic. Salivate through uh, the first topic for the second topic. But this is the best Twins pitching staff we have seen in years, Mm -hmm. maybe even decades, if you just take the first five weeks of the season as a snapshot. So they are second in Major League Baseball. This is the entire staff now. Second in Major League Baseball in earned run average. They're first in Major League Baseball in XFIP, which is an advanced, it's like an advanced ERA. Um, I could explain it to you, but then I'd have to wake you up after five minutes. They're second in strikeout rate, and Twins relievers are tied for fifth in highest fastball velocity. So a lot of good things percolating here for the Twins pitching staff. Sonny Gray, in particular, leads Major League Baseball with a 1.35 earned run average through seven starts. And if you're wondering, oh, how sustainable is that? How fluky is? I mean, he's obviously not going to finish the 1.35 ERA, but his expected ERA ranks seventh in baseball. So it's not all that fluky. So the just like the starting rotation, they've had some banged up guys. You know, but then Bailey Ober steps in, and he's very good. I don't know if they have a reliable number five starter yet, unless you think Louis Varland is uh, is going to stick around for a long time. But this is. This is one of the best pitching staffs we've seen the Twins trot out in years to this point. And it's been a pleasure to watch. It is so nice to watch, for the most part, fundamentally good pitching, right, on a nightly basis. Yes, yes, I am. You know what? If this team just across the board stunk, I'd be like, that's too bad. But the reality is the starting pitching especially, but the majority of the bullpen too has put this team in a position that it's pitching to your point, rarely puts it. And that is in a bad division to be pulling away by a mile. Like their start their the quality of their starts is unquestioned. Sonny Gray had a bad game for him on Saturday. He had a bad inning. He gave up three runs, okay? And and that was like, well he had a bad okay, yeah, for him, but that's three runs. That's nothing in baseball. So I'm with you completely. Headline one and the reason for optimism is that the pitching so far has been fantastic. And pitching, good starting pitching, good bullpen, that will get you far in the postseason. And I know the offense has been a problem. I'm sure we're going to get to it here in this episode. But you can win games in the playoffs by 3-2, to two, and the Twins have gone to the playoffs a lot, and they haven't had the horses to do so. So this is the first time where you've seen plenty of teams, right? The Giants, when they won their three-world series, that was all on the backbone of pitching and pretty mediocre and honestly less than average hitting. They were able to do that. So I think having enough pitching depth going into a playoff series and for a team that hasn't won a playoff game in 20 years, the pitching can carry them to a playoff win, which is huge. Yeah, and if you think about some of the rotations they've put out there over the years where you get to your number three starter in a playoff series. I covered the 2010 team. They literally ran Brian Dunsing out as a number three starter at Yankee Stadium. Got worse. In a do-or-die game. It got worse. In 19, Game 2 with Randy Dobnik is worse than Dunsing. 
And and, and you, know, you got you got to get there. You got to get to October, and and they've already had the injury bug bite them with forty percent of their rotation. But if you went into a you know uh, a five game playoff series, and your starting pitchers in whatever order were Sonny Gray, Joe Ryan, and Pablo Lopez, yeah, with one of the hardest throwing strikeout bullpens in baseball, you'd feel a lot better about that than almost. Any go back to 2001, 2002, when the Twins became competitive again, you know, after a, a decade of doldrums. I would run again, we're six months away, five months away from the actual playoffs, but I would run that trio out and this bullpen out over almost anything we've seen since like maybe 2004. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and it's really the first time in a long time, too, where I feel like you don't get to the third or fourth guy and just cover your face and be like, oh my God. Yeah. Like that's a loss. Mm -hmm. And and to their credit, I will say this. So the vast majority of this starting staff right now has been acquired through trades. Ober, I think, can pitch, though. Like the more I watch him pitch, he's pretty damn solid. And so Mm -hmm. there's not one. So, so like when, when Mally goes out, which is unfortunate, um, it's not a disaster. Mm -hmm. It's not a complete train wreck of now we got to promote a guy and he's going to give up six runs. I would keep an eye to in double a right now, their double a pitching staff is kind of a train wreck, but uh, Blaine Enlow is a former, I think third round pick that they, he was one of those guys that I think they, they gave him like a lot of money over slot so that they could assure that he was going to be signed and he's off to a really good start. So a guy to keep an eye on, they might have some more depth coming up, but the pitching has been dominant so far. All right, category number two here, State of the Twins Monday. Carlos Correa is a figurehead for the Twins' offensive struggles. And I'll set this up for Judd here because I know he was fighting about this all weekend. But the Twins' offense so far, 28th in on-base percentage, 20th in weighted on-base average, which includes, it's like OPS, but it properly weighs on-base versus slugging. And the Twins are 20th in that category. Uh, they're 19th in runs per game, which is actually kind of a minor miracle that they're that they're top 20 in runs despite being 28th and on base. And the reason for that is they've actually been pretty good with runners in scoring positions, so they have been cashing in limited opportunities, but they've been cashing in. They have the second-best OPS with runners in scoring position, but uh, the second-most strikeouts in all of baseball, and they're tied for last in batting average on balls in play, which could be some bad luck. It also could just be weak contact. They're hitting a bunch of dribblers and pop-ups and stuff. So um, with that, Carlos Correa is hitting 193 with a 271 on base and a 378 slugging. All of those would be career lows for Carlos Correa. Now we're only one-fifth of the way through the season, mm-hmm. but that's a really bad start for both the offense and Carlos Correa. Judd points it out on Twitter over the weekend and just gets <laughs> savaged by Twins fans. So, so here, here's what I tweeted. So speak for yourself. Here's what I tweeted. Because you would have thought I tweeted, Carlos Correa is a bust. He sucks. And I would prefer to have Lenny Fiedo playing shortstop, okay? Here's all I tweeted. Does anyone else find it noteworthy that Carlos Correa is, at the time, hitting 198? How long... Do we just ignore this? He is making $36 million. That's not the type of salary that creates room for a lot of acceptance. That's all I tweeted. And, That's fair. again, you would have thought I tweeted, this guy is a bum. He's terrible. I fully expect that he will not end the season below the Mendoza line, all right? 
But I've been thinking about how to contextualize this because I feel like it's a fight against the advanced metrics people and then people who come off the top rope and say he sucks, they shouldn't have signed him, which I don't agree with. And by the way, he is, just to make this extremely, extremely clear, he is the best twin shortstop in the field, I think, since Greg Gagne, and he's one of the best I've seen, okay? And he has now turned what used to be plays that weren't made by guys like Polanco into routine plays that we just accept. And he deserves credit. So I am not saying this guy stinks. He's, he, do, he does not. But here's my here's the way I want to bring this to you guys. Because we could debate small sample size. No, it's into May, blah, blah, blah. Here's my thought. This pitching staff is putting you in, in a position on a damn near nightly basis to pull away with a bad division. You just played six road games. Three against the White Sox, three against Cleveland, in which you went two and four. You gave up 18 runs, pretty damn good, and you scored 18, including seven in one game. So when I talk about Correa and when I talk about the bats overall, what I see here in in the spring, I don't want to focus on the sample size for players. I want to focus on an opportunity that's being lost to stockpile wins right now. I think that's the well, most important thing because run scoring, like we could go through any stat that you guys want, but the one stat that we're all going to agree on, the important one, is run scoring. And I just think it's a damn shame that what has been just fantastic pitching is not often enough right now being capitalized on to have a more significant lead in a division that's begging the Twins, begging them to run away with it right now. Well, but they kind of like they they consciously made this sacrifice by trading Luis Arise, who I think is still batting over 430. Yeah, I think you're right. right. Yeah. He's batting like 430. He's one of the best on-base guys, one of the best batting average guys. He's off to an incredible start. They made a conscious decision when they traded Luis Arise for Pablo Lopez and they said, "We need to start with pitching." Mm-hmm. And and I my my contention there has been not that it was a bad trade. I think it'll play itself out, but that if they had been developing more pitching over the last six years since Derek Falvey took over, then they wouldn't have to trade one of the best hitters in baseball, at least from a non-base perspective and batting average perspective, for like a number two, number three starter. But they felt the need to do that, so they they consciously sacrificed offense for pitching. And to this point, they're 19 and 16. If they play 19 and 16 baseball for a full season, they're an 88-win team. I think 88 wins gets you this division with room to spare. Yeah. So even though it was a bad last six games, this might, I mean, Declan brought up a really good, I think it's way too early to like say this is the Giants because that was like that, the Giants were kind of a dynasty. But right. those teams, I mean, though they had some really bad, like didn't the Giants win the World Series one year with the fewest amount of home runs yeah. of any team in baseball in the regular season? Yes. So if you can't pitch and you can't get anyone out, you're screwed. And and so if the Twins' starting point is let's let's just start by having a really good rotation and a really good bullpen, and let's just hold teams to two or three runs per game. Let's see where it falls. If we need to get reinforcements on the offensive side, we can do it. I'm okay with that. Um, is it a little bit of a small sample size to be like making conclusions about the offense right now? Probably, but I'm just like I guess I'm okay with sacrificing some hitting for dominant pitching because they're playing at almost a 91 pace and it's working from that perspective right now. But it's fair when you're, when you pay the amount that they do to a guy like Correa to expect more there too. But don't you think this is where I'll push back on you. 
I think there's room for two things. He's off to a crappy start, and you're right, and it should be talked about. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, is it likely that he's going to be hitting 200 by the time August rolls around? You know, guys have bad months. Some of the best hitters in baseball will hit 220 for a month or under 200, except for maybe like the Joe Mowers, the, right. the great pure hitter. Right. So I'm, before I join you on the, like, I'm okay, point it out, send a tweet. Yeah, I just pointed point it, it out, out too. Send That's the thing is, I didn't, I didn't rip him. I pointed it out for, for what he's making. You are a but I, Carlos Correa hater, though. Didn't you call him a bust last season? You called at him some a, point, yeah. Well, he bust last year. Well, he got hot in September when the team was in the toilet. Yeah, he was he was pretty bad in the clutch last year. Yeah, mm-hmm. that doesn't make me tra- happy. Tried to sign. I'm not going to sit here and shut up that crap. <laughs> Everyone else might. I ain't doing that. Speaking of the Giants, he'd rather be a Giant or a Met right now, and that's fine. You know, he's settled for his third option. But I, I just think, and I, like I'll shut up so Dex can chime in here too. I just think it's too early to be like pounding on Carlos Correa because he had a bad first month of the season. If he's still hitting 200 and an on base percentage below 300 at the end of May, okay, now there's is he injured? Like then there's probably a deeper conversation. But when a Legend guy is 28 off. years old and has almost a decade of track record, yep, I tend to lean toward the track record more than the the small sample size first month. All I did was point it out. Deserves to be talked yeah. about. You have, you, that's all I you, said. You got the smoke. Yeah. You got the smoke. Well, that's fine, but understand smoke. that I'm right about it. I mean, it does deserve <laughs> to be pointed out. It's not pointed out nearly enough. What Actually, what is your hypothesis? When you say you are right, what is your hypothesis? That when you get into May and a guy who's being paid as much as he is is below 200, I deserve the smoke if he's like at 225 and he's got and he, he is at below 200. And as you w- went through, there's no there. You got to really search to find a positive offensive statistic right now for and him. I'll, and I know that there's probably because I'll represent the analytics crowd here that people are saying, why? You know, who's this boomer talking about yep. batting average? Right. Yep, okay, I'll translate. Yep. His OPS plus is 79. So it's well below average. His weighted on base average is well below average. His weighted runs created are well below average. So right. whether you're talking batting average or analytics, he's been a very, very bad offensive yeah. performer so far. I was yeah. going to say, I think your hypothesis would be that Carlos Correa has been a bad baseball player through the first month of the season. No, bad offensive. He's great at shortstop. I'm not taking that away. He's unbelievable, dude. He's been a bad, he's been bad at bat. But as far as he makes plays at shortstop that we now just go, huh? Nice play. No, yeah, it's not a be, nice play. It's and a because he's play. such a great shortstop, it helps a ton. He's still a positive value player, sure. even when he's having an like for him an historically yes. bad start yeah. to the season. I just the twin and and he is to judge point. He is the better, probably the best shortstop that I've even seen in a Twins uniform. But they have had some wizards at short. Maybe that's a too high of a word. They've had above average shortstops that could not hit the baseball to save their bleeping lives before. They've had Pedro Flormones. Nick Punto has had good infield seasons, but they could not hit for days. And I understand that Flormones and Puntos, and you can go down the hilarious list Adam of shortstops that they have had. Adam Everett's a good one. Um, they've had a ton of those guys that had, haven't been on the same superstar status of Korea, mm-hmm. and it's deserving so. I mean, Judd and I have been to a few games, and I've been to a few games without him just in the press box, and he gets booed. Like, Carlos Correa gets booed by Target Field fans when he comes up yeah. with runners at second and third and strikes out, and deservingly so, by the way. Yeah, and, and if I had to bet, even all that said, if I, ha- if, if I I'm sure there are platforms where you can buy stock in a player, 
I would buy Carlos Correa stock from yeah. now until the end of the year. This is a great time to buy Carlos Correa buy, offensive buy. stock. Absolutely. I, I think one thing that's frustrating about some baseball fans is the fact that it feels like because of, of the sample size fixation that we shouldn't have discussions about things. as Because to me, the baseball season is written in chapters, okay? It's written in chapters. It's not one whole story. That's the end result. But the fact that he has struggled into May is interesting to me. It's worth, and it feels like there's a faction again, because I, I can't say it's all fans, but there's a segment that feels like even pointing out a chapter is like, well, you can't, no, that chapter don't count. It's too early to count the chapter. No, this is, this is what makes baseball fun. Now, if I had come to you first weekend and been like, Carlos Correa sucks so far, you'd say, dude, it's a weekend. But we're a month plus in now. He has struggled at, at the plate. I am more than willing to give him his props at shortstop. But I do think that a discussion about the evolution of a team becomes intriguing, which, again, is why the pitching discussion to me is so fantastic. Because we're now more than a month in, and this pitching's been, you know, unlike anything we've seen consistently in how long, which is great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, so don't jump, Juddies. Just bring you. Well, I'm okay with being up. jumped. Just, just understand what you're jumping me for. <laughs> and if I tweet a guy sucks, then jump me. Yeah. I have two more categories for you guys. We're actually going to go back to pitching for the third category here because there might be a philosophy change. But uh, if you are interested in going to a Twins game, you can get tickets. Twins.com slash tickets. If you've yet to see designated hitter Byron Buxton, extraordinaire who we'll talk about later on on this state of the twins episode you can find him out there if you want to see uh, carlos chris struggling to hit 200 all these things are in play at target field the bet to me the best bar in the twin cities is target field by the way yes so twins.com slash tickets this month is outstanding padres, padres this week which is going to be great cubs on the weekend mm-hmm. and then i believe after a road trip the Giants come come in, so some good National League teams. But the Padres could, should be great fun. This is Tom Bernard. Can't get enough of sports talk with Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad? Tune in to the new Tom Bernard Show podcast Monday through Friday as Phil and Judd join me to discuss the latest sports headlines and whatever else comes to mind. Just download the Tom Bernard Show app wherever you get your podcasts or visit TomBernardShow.com. It's another way to get more from me and Judd talking sports and having fun with Tom and it's all at your fingertips. Download the Tom Bernard Show app now and join the conversation. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Okay, category number three, pitching philosophy change? Or maybe just trusting better pitchers. All right. So last season, infamously, and we crushed the Twins for this, twin starters faced the third time through the order, the fewest amount of times in all of baseball. And when they did face the third time through the order last year, they had the, I think it was like the worst or second worst OPS allowed. So you, you know, the twins would say, well, see, that's why we don't let our pitchers go a third time through the order. And I would say, okay, well, other teams have figured out how to let 
their pitchers go a third tenth of the order more often and not be a train wreck. So either get better pitchers or better pitching coach or better scouting, find a way to work. The Jack Morris's of the world would say, find a way to save a pitch for the third time through the order or, you know, uh, you know, pick on a tendency or something. So the twins were terrible third time through the order. And, and then it leaked into the bullpen because now your bullpen is stretched out too much. And it was just a, a bad mix this season. Twin starters have faced the third time through the order, the seventh most played appearances, uh-huh. and they have the fourth best OPS against when facing a lineup the third time through the order. It helps when you replace guys like Dylan Bundy and Chris Archer, who are like yes. four and two thirds and fly guys with Pablo Lopez yes. and even, yeah. dare I say, Bailey Ober. Um, but this is a welcome change, both I think philosophically and just in trusting that you, you, you've you built a better pitching staff, which is part of the reason too. But I think there's more of a willingness. I think Sonny Gray, and I think some of these guys, their calls to the public, to the media, and probably behind the scenes have have benefited. Hey, let us, let us tra- leave us out there. It's right. okay. You can trust us, and it'll save the bullpen for six months. Right. It feels like uh, between actually improving the overall starting pitching staff, and common sense that that they've have taken a key step that goes far beyond Baldelli. Like he's involved, but this was also Falvey, Levine, that entire group. Um, but I think the most important thing is the trimming of no longer going to a garage sale and saying that used to be a new archer. Let's get that one. And he'd come here and be crap. Bundy. Uh, just go go back. Um Homer Bailey, right? Like the amount of guys of recycled arms that they tried to to get, and I don't know if they thought that they could fix them. Clearly they did. But, yeah, I think it's one of the most important steps. And I wouldn't be surprised if Baldelli finally said, okay, let's come up with a plan here that works. Because, again, I'll go back to saying this. He ended up being the poster child for everything that, that was wrong, and it probably wasn't fair. Yeah, he's the one that pulls pitchers. Right, he's yeah, the you one know, that Rocco, sits you suck. Players. And he's probably right. like, no, I got to do it because these guys aren't that. So there was definitely, it feels like, some type of come to Jesus where they basically said, okay, how do we stop a cycle of, by the way, too, exposing a bullpen that wasn't that great? Mm-hmm. So it's not like you you went, okay, we're in the sixth inning and now it's lights out time. It's like, okay, we're in the sixth and we're going to pull the starter, and we're in trouble. So, yeah, everything they've done with pitching to me has been a welcome change. And I think it's a little bit of both. Like, yes, it certainly is on the you know on the pie chart of the scale that you have better arms now. You have Pablo Lopez. You have Sonny Gray, who's a trusted vet. Joe Ryan's clearly has taken a next step in his game. So you have you have guys now in your starting rotation that you do trust. But there is also still that classic gut feeling here of all right, if my guy is cruising through two innings of work, just because the numbers suggest, which, by the way, everyone knows that the lineup gets better a third time through the order. If that guy is cruising, and if that guy is being effective, right. you don't just have to pull the rug underneath because, oh, third time through, the OPS goes up another 100 points. Yeah. Well, if it that guy's be more nuanced than yes. that. Yes, yeah. so I, I, think, I, think there's two, I think there's two avenues there. It's not just all, well, the arms are better. Well, there's also a little bit of thought process that probably goes involved, too. I'm just looking this up to try and find. So last year, full season, the Twins had, out of 162 regular season games, 
10 different outings where a pitcher finished seven innings or more. 10 out of 162. <laughs> I'm just curious. Have they really haven't reached that already this year, have they? Let's see. Uh, so probably Sonny's, I think Sonny's done it maybe they're twice. Probably close, yeah. Probably Ryan, they've they've already they've done. done it eight times. <laughs> yeah. Eight times. God. And they should. Ten all year last year. And they've done it eight times this year. Sonny Gray twice. Pablo Lopez three times. Yep. Joe Ryan twice. And Bailey Ober did it in, in his last start against Cleveland. Seven innings, no runs. Amazing. So how, how much of the former recycled crap group made their last stop here, too? What do you mean? Archer, oh. he's not pitching now, right? Oh, Archer's not like, pitching. Yeah. Is Bundy? Did Bundy surface? He got signed somewhere, did he? Rich oh, Hill did. And I think he's still, like, with Pittsburgh or something. He's still swearing every time he... Homer Bailey? Ball. I think... I don't think he did. Like, there's Dylan a... Dylan Bundy's in the Mets organization. <laughs> he's... Oh, my God. So, he's Triple uh, A Mets. Okay. Four starts, a 12.71 earned run average uh, AAA for the Mets. And you guys defended him last year. Hope you feel guilty. He was better than I thought he would be last and year. And Archer was is out, I think, of baseball. Yeah. If you can't, wait, what's Good the broadcaster, point? though. He definitely should go into broadcasting. He will be, yeah. He's I could see him analyst. on, uh, like, like whatever the, if there's ever a TNT version of a pre- and post-game show. Yeah. I could see Chris Archer on that. He's got a personality. So... So maybe you know we'll see. It's like kind of a small sample size, but it's a good trend. They're letting pitchers go deeper again. Yep. So the, only ten times last year, all year did, did a starting pitcher go seven. It's already happened eight times. And then category number four here: state of the Twins. Byron Buxton, permanent DH, is the category. <laughs> Sounds okay. like a TV show. Maybe it is. Byron, maybe Buxton. it's a new Netflix special. Permanent. But uh, Carlos Correa, according to uh, the Twins media, the assembled Twins media, apparently had a sit-down with Buxton this offseason. Might have been during spring training. I don't remember the timing. But he basically sat Byron Buxton down as they were hanging out over barbecue one night and said, hey, hey, guy, you need to hit five or 600 times this year. Let's start there. For your career, for our team, hmm. you got to get to the plate five or 600 times. Not to mention, like, your your bonus could trigger if you get to the plate that many times. Don't be selfish was kind of the theme of the conversation. And Byron Buxton did some self-reflecting on, okay, I, I love playing center field, but am I being selfish by going out there and risking more wear and tear and injury and knee inflammation by standing out in the pasture for three hours? And so Carlos was, yeah, you want to rip on Carlos Crea? He's just an instrumental leader behind the scenes. Judge, He's the GM showing, of the uh, team. They've Byron turned Buxton. over the keys to yeah. Carlos Crea. They they admitted it, and it's true. He's the GM. So he has played in 32 of 35 games so far this year. Byron has. Yep. He also has a career-high walk rate, so I think he's he's seeing the ball very well, comfortable going deeper into counts because the knee doesn't bark as much maybe. Yep. I think there were some times last year where he just wanted to swing and get it over with because it was painful. Hmm. But his 162 game pace this year if he played if you took his stats and extrapolated for 162 games we're talking about a 40 home run hitter 96 RBI 106 runs 35 doubles and uh, obviously a, a well above average OPS of 860 so dude 32 out of 35 games you're telling me if he keeps up this pace he's going to play 135 140 games maybe more this season i never thought i would Say this because it sounds crazy, but I'm on board with it. Yeah. 
It works. I'm on board now. I, I mean, if if the options are he can play or he makes a great catch in the outfield and is lost for a month, DH him. I mean, it sounds it sounds nuts until, and I think we talked about this briefly last week. The one thing that really makes up for this is the contract. Yeah, it's a very team friendly contract. Yeah, he didn't kill with that, and and at the time we're all like, why would he he take that? I think we're seeing that there at least might have been the the thought of a long term plan here. So Byron Buxton, permanent DH, is actually okay with me. Yeah. Yeah, he's staying healthy. He's hitting bombs. I mean, that that can the dude play 130, 40 games? He's only played like over 100 once, essentially. So can he stay healthy? And that's going to be good. I, I think in general, if this offense can get more production with runners in scoring position in terms of average and, and driving in those guys, I saw our friend Heather Rule had the note that 49% of the Twins' runs this season have been via the home run. Oh, yeah, that's crazy. Which is the highest rate in baseball. So can they figure out more ways? Because, you know, they come up with the bases loaded, it seems like, every time. And, you know, strikeout, pop up, strikeout, right? So can they figure out more ways in the offense? And Byron certainly has a lot of power. So this is not just a Byron problem, or I'm not singling him out necessarily. But can the offense in general be a little bit more productive in those bases loaded, runners in scoring position, not have to completely rely on the long ball? Yeah. And uh, on, on just on the Buxton center field thing for a second. So Michael A. Taylor is really the, the, the first actual professional major league center fielder that they have signed to back up Byron Buxton in 10 years. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, he is currently uh, sixth among all center fielders in ultimate zone rating. Oh, yeah. There's some different defensive metrics you could look at. He's, he's certainly not. Yeah, that's right. Watch his field and percentage, Phil. <laughs> Give me the yeah. field and percentage. Dude, I'm glad that broadcasts have stopped putting outfield fielding percentage on the screen. <laughs> it was the greatest. It's ridiculous. But he's so he's not he's not like Byron Buxton in his prime level great in center or even Michael A. Taylor in his prime, because he's not in his prime anymore. But you finally have a guy that can hit enough and can cover enough ground to where you don't feel like, oh my God, if we don't get Buxton back out there, it's another game of you know, pick your random quad A player. So they put themselves right. in a nice little position here, and he's on pace to have a really nice season offensively. That being said, it is a shame because, damn, that that guy is fu- is fun to watch. But, I mean, he's just never proven he can stay he- healthy. And, like, we're now to a point where I think what they're doing is smart, but it's too bad, too. Yeah. So there it is. There's your st- Those are my four categories for you guys. State of the Twins Mondays here. On Minnesota sports with Mackie and Judd. Get off my back. I feel like there's a lot of our listeners and viewers that just hate when we talk twins because they just aren't quite as popular as they were a few years ago. But then we have a, a, a core group of diehard fans that used to listen to the Score North Twin Show a few years ago. So, so support, yeah, support this segment, support this Monday State of the Twins. <laughs> and if you do, we will continue and support Modest, by the way, who is sponsoring it. And uh, we'll keep we'll keep sprinkling in the twins conversations as they continue to remain relevant. All right. All right. Good talk. Great talk. Fantastic talk. talk.